Close your eyes and tell me what you see. The library. to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer. I had never seen Doctor Who until I sat down and decided to start this podcast and watch all of the episodes, and I am now hooked and cannot stop. And today, I'm going to be talking about Silence in the Library, which is episode eight of series four. And what better person to talk about silence in a library but the person that got me hooked on Doctor Who to begin with, and that is the incomparable, the one and only, Jenny Fayberry. Hello, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good to have you back. Uh, I'm so glad to have you here for this episode. Uh, It is my understanding that this is one of your favorites. Hands down. This is one of my favorites. One of my favorite characters is introduced to us for the very first time uh, in this episode. And uh, the villain is something that, if you think about it, we're all scared of the shadows. Um, And what a great way to make a villain. Because what can you do about the shadows? You know, it's just such a great story. And this first episode leaves you wondering what the heck is going on. Um, So it's just an amazing two-parter, just a fantastic story. And I can't wait to jump in and talk about it. So this is where I let you know, dear listener, that... Of course, inevitably, in the course of our conversation, we will spoil the episode. So if you have not seen Silence in the Library, now would be a great time to pause the podcast, go watch the episode, and join us so that you can have the same experience I did because I just finished watching it. So here we go. Where to start? Oh, dear goodness. <laughs> we are inside of the imagination of a little girl, and yet somehow there's Donna and the doctor, and they're walking into not just a library, but a the library, as the doctor would say. The library. So big it doesn't need a name, just a great big the. It's like a city. It's a world. Literally, a world. The whole core of the planet is the index computer. Biggest hard drive ever. And up here, every book ever written. Whole continents of Geoffrey Archer, Bridget Jones, Monty Python's big red book. Uh, I'm sure glad that Monty Python survives in the future. Absolutely. (laughs) They have to have copies of everything. Good, bad. You know, how else do we learn? Um, but you know, Monty Python is, is definitely in the good category. And uh, I love that David calls that out to make certain that it's there, that it's there. Uh, I'm sure there are copies of the twilight series there too, but, Oh, um, but they're in the far back corner (laughs) in deep in the shadows. We're not going to go look for them. I mean, if it's a whole planet, maybe it's like at the bottom of the planet like in the ass end of the planet. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Not, not where any of the good books are. 
<laughs> but I love the idea that there's a whole planet. Of course, you know, nothing in Doctor Who can ever be just like, it's a small little thing or it's a t- giant little thing. Like the scale with which the Doctor plays is uh, significant. And in this case, it's not just a little tiny library. It's an entire planet that mm-hmm. is a library and we see and it's this beautiful like tall buildings oh. interconnected it's i mean it's gorgeous looking yeah and it's an it's a real building um you can actually i mean obviously not all of it but um you can go see the real location of course in in the uk um and visit it and i'm like that sounds like a great trip for me because <laughs> i love libraries and it's absolutely stunning it's, I, I mean, just gorgeous. Uh, but in true doctor fashion, they jump right in. Uh, you know, he's doing his thing where he's like, let me show you everything that I know. Uh, and so he's trying to explain to Donna how this is an amazing place. And then all of a sudden he realizes that it's really quiet. That's the, the title of the episode, Silence in the Library, is that it's really quiet. And... Uh, as they're investigating they you know he sees that they're they're the only two humanoids but there's a lot of other life forms um and yet still have not quite explained why they were in this little girl's imagination but of course as they're going through again in true doctor who fashion inside of this library there's these pillars what 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 would you call them jenny um, nodes. Nodes? Uh, okay. Nodes, yeah. Yeah, there, there are these nodes, uh, and uh, they have an interaction with them that I thought was quite interesting. So why's it got a face? This flesh aspect was donated by Mark Chambers on the occasion of his death. It's a real face. It has been actualized individually for you from the many facial aspects saved to our extensive flesh banks. Please, enjoy. It chose me a dead face it thought I'd like. That statue's got a real dead person's face on it. It's the 51st century. That's basically like donating a park bench. <laughs> it's like donating a park bench. Uh, I love how... You donate your body to science, you donate that, you know. Sure. I, I love how the doctor, uh, it, you know, we, we talked about how he's very world traveled or, you know, in this case, very, you know, time and space traveled as well. <laughs> and so he takes certain things and he's like, oh, yeah, this is normal. Like, why why are you freaked out by this? This is you haven't donated your face to a node yet. Like, yeah, it, why, why haven't you done this? <laughs> right. No, did you happen to recognize who that node is? It The face did look familiar, but I, I, I didn't I, I didn't quite catch it. Uh, did you watch Once Upon a Time? Okay, I thought, yes, I, I, I thought I recognized it. Is that the Prince Charming? That's Prince Charming. That's Josh Dallas. That's what mm-hmm. I thought. I, I yeah. saw the face and I was like, it looks familiar, but I don't, yep. why would he be on a Doctor Who show? Yeah, I guess. So that's, that's Josh Dallas, um, <laughs> who was also uh, in the first Thor movie. So you've got some mm. little nice little tie ins to, uh, to the Disney World in Doctor Who once to again, the- <laughs> you know. Welcome to the Disney World. That is, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, that that was kind of cool. 
Um, but still, you know, no idea of what's going on or why they are seeing this girl. Although we, we do get to see, uh, pretty quickly that it's not a girl, but like a little floating, like surveillance ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, a uh, like a, it's a, you know, nowadays we have all these fantastic cameras throughout our house. Um, so to me, she's like an, an, observable camera that can move around the library and and see different things that are going on in different places um but it doesn't quite explain why or what or how um to you quite yet and uh and i think that's pretty cool because you're still going what in the world well and she's she's somehow anything that she is saying or thinking comes across in this little ticker Mm-hmm. on the on the ball so she is in essence able to communicate uh in a two-way kind of scenario with the doctor and yes. donna in this case yes there is definitely a consciousness um to that ball and they they do realize that they can communicate back and forth um but they just don't realize how well yeah because when in again uh, I, i'm going to say this a lot because there's a lot of this in usual doctor fashion <laughs> he is using his sonic screwdriver to investigate this device and mm-hmm. as he does that the little girl hears it like it, it yeah. it's resonating in her in her years yeah so loud and she just screams and it just breaks right. your heart it, like they're connected it's mm-hmm. like this is all happening in this little girl's mind Mm-hmm. Uh, and since they're in this little girl's mind, um, the I guess the villain of the episode uh, happens to, you know, the, they're warned by the uh, node that mm-hmm. in one of the nodes that they come across that uh, they should run from the darkness. And uh, the doctor gives us an explanation because you know, it's Doctor Who. It's not going to be just conventional darkness. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, he he is explaining to Donna. Almost every species in the universe has an irrational fear of the dark, but they're wrong because it's not irrational. It's Vashta Narada. What's Vashta Narada? It's what's in the dark. It's what's always in the dark. So now I know Mm. I am not crazy. I have not been crazy since a child. I have had a quote unquote irrational fear of the dark. And now I know it's not irrational. There is something there. And it's the Vasha Narada. Yeah, the Vashta Narada. Vashta Narada. What a great name. Right? Great that you can't say. Um, what (laughs) What a fantastic name um for all the spooky things that are in the dark um that as you watch this episode you find out just how spooky they are um absolutely horrible beings but just like anything in the world they're trying to survive they're trying to eat they're trying to um repopulate they're trying to do everything that life forms do um but they do so in a way that is particularly gruesome um for those of us that are encountering them <laughs> for those of us that are considered flesh donors uh-huh. uh, yeah. as those nodes kind of hinted at yeah <laughs> uh, so 
Now, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, the the doctor scans for any life form, and he sees a billion or a millions million. Yes, so he sees that there's there's tons of life. First, he sees one, which is Donna, and then he searches for um, any sign of type of the humanoid, and he sees the two of them, and then he sees the the billion millions whatever uh which would seemingly um explain the vashanarada are all there um and then um there uh there is a message sent that he sees a little bit later um that shows that um there was 4022 people saved but no survivors yeah and he doesn't quite understand what that means and we we get this uh you know as 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 they're basically stuck in this circular room investigating the dark and everything setting up lights we're introduced all of a sudden to this crew that just runs in and these pretty cool spacesuits I think the, you know we we've seen spacesuits in Doctor Who before, but they seemed pretty rudimentary and kind of mm-hmm. a little clunkier. These these look super sleek. Like these Absolutely. look like they're you know definitely futuristic. Well, they're in the fifty first century, um, so they're definitely you know thirty thirty. I can't even do the math right now, but they're far ahead of most of what we've seen. Um, so, so definitely advanced. Um, and they are being led by the very experienced Professor Riversong. The Professor Riversong, which introduces yet another level of complexity to this episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, as if I wasn't already a little confused by the fact that there's a little girl and the doctor seems <laughs> to be in her imagination there's now this older girl <laughs> mm-hmm. that comes in and she seems to have an understanding of who the doctor is and he's he's actually a little curious so they have this little exchange <gasps> you're young i'm really not you know no, but you are your eyes you're younger than i've ever seen you You've seen me before, then. Doctor, please tell me you know who I am. Who are you? Who are you indeed? Mm, She's River Song. (laughs) Now, based on... uh, I'm going to pause right there because there's... There's another bit that comes right after that I also have questions. But based on just that alone, she's pulled out this. uh, And this is the part where an audio podcast does a disservice because there is a bit where she pulls out a book, a diary of sorts. And she Mm -hmm. says, should we compare diaries? And the diary very much as the color of the TARDIS it looks like it has the panels of the TARDIS like drawn into it. It's crazy, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. And she starts asking questions. You know, uh, <laughs> did we do this? Uh, the picnic uh, in Asgard. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. So 
clearly she knows him. And this is an example of the timely, wimbly, wobbly. Timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly. There you go. Yep. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm on the right you track are. You for told, this. Yep, absolutely. 100%. And you're you're catching all the right things. Okay, because uh, that I think is the only part of the show where I finally felt like, okay, maybe I have an idea of where this yeah. is going. And yeah. then uh, the their little exchange continues, and <laughs> she shares this moment. What's in that book? Spoilers. Who are you, Professor River Song, University? To me. Who are you to me? Again. Spoilers. And all of a sudden, I now have a vague understanding of what you've been doing to me <laughs> since the beginning of the podcast. Isn't it wonderful? And it is both like amazing and a little cruel. I'm going to say <laughs> that like it feels a little cruel because... I now understand how the doctor feels at that specific moment <laughs> where he asks a question and she goes, spoilers. <laughs> so, so I was with Ashley this past weekend and we were talking about that I was going to be doing this podcast with you. And I said to her, I go, I am so excited for when he gets the spoilers because <laughs> I really hope that he understands what I have been doing to him all along. <laughs> well, I definitely understood. And boy, <laughs> like talk about a long game. You know, yeah. this is we're, we're going into the 54th episode of the podcast and finally... I not, not only do I have an understanding of what this is, uh, but I also have a moment of sympathy where I, I actually feel like the doctor because there is something going on that the doctor doesn't know. You are so very welcome. And so I am there. <laughs> and thank you. Like now I understand why this was such an important episode for us to do together. Oh, She's fantastic, though, isn't she? Uh, I mean, she's great. I recognize her. Uh, I guess she used to do Law & Order. Uh, one ER. of the Law & Order mm -hmm. versions at some point she did. She She's a very, very famous actress. Um, she's just uh, an absolutely amazing person. Um, we've met her quite a few times at cons. Mm. Um she is just cool. Like Alex <laughs> Kingston is, she's just who you see her as a character. She brings a lot of her own personality into that character. Um, so she is just super duper cool. Mm. Um, sassy as can be and just really amazing. She was an arrow as well. She was. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. So she's, She's almost willing to do anything, um, which just makes her really cool uh, as a human being and as an actress. And she's sassy to the max. Um, I actually have 
the the journal that she has, they sell that as a journal. Mm. And I started scrapbooking it as a, our con encounters. So I would put like a picture of who we've met, then like journal a little bit. And then um, I've had her sign that um, oh, and cool. show her like the people who we've met and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, this is cute. And I was like, you know, it just, it made sense to me. It's my travels sure. um, to, to document it. So she is just a super, super cool person. Um, and this is... Uh, your your introduction to an amazing character. Oh, I'm well, so excited for you. And of course, immediately after recuperating from that moment <laughs> where for for the first time, I actually felt like the doctor. I, I could be uh-huh. the doctor, you guys. Um, <laughs> immediately, um, there's, you know, as always, Donna has that human uh, mm-hmm. inquisitiveness about her. Uh, but she also has that sass. You mentioned the sass. Uh, Donna, I think, is the queen of sass. And oh, so much. They have an exchange that made me realize. Well, let's hear their exchange first. You know him, don't you? Oh, God, do I know that man. Go way back, that man and me. Just not this far back. I'm sorry, what? He hasn't met me yet. I sent him a message, but it went wrong. It arrived too early. Uh, This is the doctor in the days before he knew me. And he looks at me. He looks right through me, and it shouldn't kill me, but it does. And that little bit explained, because from the moment they run in and they take their helmets off, she cannot not look at him. Like nope. she is always looking at him and she has this like doe eye, like schoolgirl with a crush look that never leaves him. Every room <laughs> they walk in, every action they take, he, she is glued. And uh, sometimes he'll say something and she has this smile on her face and you're like, okay. I mean, just those words. God, do I know this man mm-hmm. speak volumes, but then to couple that with the idea that he sees her and looks right through her because he doesn't know who she is yet mm-hmm. and how much that hurts her. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, that is, that's an entire episode. That's an entire uh, I mean, that could be an entire series in, yeah. in just that sentence in that little encounter right there. Mm-hmm. And just the way that that's portrayed and how much emotion is brought out in just a couple of lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, you can see why I love this character. And the the instant connection that you're able to make from the moment she says that, you know, I'm I'm like the doctor, clearly he's inquisitive and he's asking and who are you and you know spoilers Mm -hmm. um and then he's not hearing this maybe he is but Mm -hmm. you know the the conversation is with donna and she pretty much lets it all out she tells like based off of that i know that this you know this character professor phoenix Professor Riversong. Riversong, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> Professor Riversong 
has shared uh, a considerable amount of her heart with the doctor and that they have gone through some very emotional and personal moments. Mm-hmm. And absolutely all in, I mean, just what a wonderful way of sort of presenting that. Uh, and almost immediately after it's superseded by sort of this ominous, uh, dangerous question. You know, the, we've seen this in other time travel stuff, uh, that, you know, one should never know too much about their future. And Donna asks that question. She, you know, let's let's hear her exchange. Donna. You're Donna. Donna Noble. Yeah. Why? I do know the doctor. But in the future. His personal future. So why don't you know me? Where am I in the future? Mm-hmm. So I love that for two reasons. One, I know him from the future, from his personal future. Mm-hmm. Clarifying that not necessarily the future from where they currently reside in the timeline of things, but the doctor's personal future in the timey-wimey, mm-hmm. wibbly-wobbly thing. Uh, which I love because I'm I'm starting to to figure that out, <laughs> you know. And it was hinted at. We talked about it at the very beginning of Doctor Who, at least of the series, that time is not you know a relative, always moving forward kind of situation. And here she's specifically addressing that uh, and being very clear about why and how she knows the Doctor and when. His personal future, not the future. Mm-hmm. But then there's that question that does not go answered, um, but clearly has a, an ominous response because she, uh, Dr. River or Professor River, does not seem thrilled or or realizes, oh my gosh, you are that Donna, as if something horrible is going to happen to her. Yeah, she she knows who Donna is, um, and it does seem that she knows what happens to Donna, but she sure is not going to tell her. She sure is not. And, of course, you know, the throughout the rest of the episode, uh, we have uh, this very, yet another moment uh, for Donna to really see that, you know, travel with the doctor isn't always fun and that it can, for the faint of heart and for the emotional traveler, take its toll um, as she is asked to interact basically with the ghost, with the memory, the echo of a person that she just met and somehow seemed to cling on to her mm-hmm. and she wants to talk to the nice lady and it's it's hard. It was really hard for Donna to do that. That's a horrible scene. It's so sad. It's, you know, it, it just shows you there, you know, there is a toll. And we've been warned, again, going back to the beginning of the series for Doctor Who, we've been warned, warned oof, that the Doctor is a dangerous being and that traveling with the Doctor 
can lead to some, you know, pretty serious ramifications. And, you know, this is one of those situations where Donna is sitting here, you know, faced with one of those ramifications, which is watching people die in front of you and not be able to do a single thing about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, the doctor uh, was faced with a similar conundrum uh, in the Christmas episode, the, when he's on the, the Titanic and there's, you know, there's that woman that he was so connected with that looked like she was going to become his next companion mm-hmm. and the ghost of her is trapped there and he so desperately wants to save her yeah. and he's, you know, warned, nope, it, it, that's it. You got to let her go. Yeah. And here he serves that purpose for Donna because Donna is just, you know, she doesn't have the the know, the know-how, the wherewithal to be able to try to do anything to save the girl. But she has that emotional sort of capacity to, to, to feel empathy. And it, it really hurts her. Like you see, it really bothered her. And the mm-hmm. doctor, you know, has that sort of empathetic moment of like just talk to her this this is important and and it needs to be done and she wants you yeah it's it's it to me it's reminiscent of and it's it's an awful thing to have gone through whether you've gone through it um with a loved one with a pet with anyone where you're having those final moments and you're like it's okay it's Mm -hmm. it's all right I'm here with you. Um, but you know that it's those final moments. And that's that's what Donna was there for, was her final moments, just comforting her. Um, and the unfortunate thing is Miss, Miss Evangelista didn't even necessarily know that she was dying. Mm-hmm. Um, but just having somebody there with you during that time, you were that person that was being strong in that moment, and that's what Donna was for her. Um, and that is such a difficult position to be in but it's also such an important position to be in because that person needs you so badly it's it was a surprisingly difficult moment to watch uh because like i said we we've seen it before we've seen the doctor go through it and you know we haven't seen donna we've seen donna see an ood pass away yeah uh and she felt or the oud, uh, and when she heard the the song of the oud, not being able mm. to to manage it, um, but you know this is somebody that looks like her. This is not you know an alien, somebody that she can disconnect from. Um, and you know we saw how difficult it was for her to watch the destruction of Pompeii, and this narrowed it down to a singular person right in front of you who moments before was breathing and standing and carrying out a conversation with you and is now gone. And it was, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised at the brilliance of the writing in the episode, Mm -hmm. but it was just, it, it was such a touching moment. 
of which, you know, we're immediately shaken out of because, again, Doctor Who, we got to run. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> and yeah. we got to <laughs> run away from the danger and the threat from the shadows becomes uh, ever more present. Uh, and the Doctor does something that I don't quite understand, but he teleports Donna, I guess, into the TARDIS but then she doesn't really quite appear in the TARDIS and kind of seems to phase out and, and lets out a scream. Am I? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's trying to get her into the TARDIS. Um, that was his goal. Um, that's what he was trying to do. And he was trying to trick her. He was basically telling her that um, they weren't safe because they didn't have spacesuits. Um, he had seen what happened with Miss Evangelista mm-hmm. and then with proper Dave. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> property, uh, property was just a great joke. Um, and then uh, because they, he was telling her because they weren't safe because they didn't have suits, he was going to teleport them back to the TARDIS and trick her into going first. Uh, but really, he was just going to send her back to be safe. And then he was going to go back. Um, but she uh, basically disintegrated when he he sent her back, and he didn't know what happened to her um and whether he actually even knew what had happened to her at that moment it's i don't think he truly did um because she screamed inside the TARDIS. she didn't scream in the library right so for all intents and purposes he thought she was good she was in the TARDIS. she's fine and then at that moment (laughs) at that moment Mm -hmm. and then she's there with uh professor river song and it's almost like he's holding the the sonic screwdriver uh which there's a moment where we we saw professor riversong produce her own sonic screwdriver to yep. help the doctor and you know modulate the frequencies of the suit and it looked familiar but it also looked significantly older significantly yeah. more worn She's and, and it's been changed up a little bit. There's some things added to it, and yeah. Mm-hmm. But they they carry on that conversation of how do you have that? And she says, "Oh well, you gave it to me." And he's like, "I don't I don't give my sonic screwdriver to just anybody." Mm-hmm. And that's what you know. The, they're distracted from that conversation when he realizes, "Oh wait a minute, I didn't get a signal back from the console." And something's gone wrong. And the professor seems to know exactly what the doctor's talking about. He's like, oh, but the equipment in there is so old, maybe it didn't work. (laughs) So again, another, you know, insinuation that the professor has seen the inside of the TARDIS. She knows what the hell the TARDIS is. She knows how the old the TARDIS is. Uh, Isn't that crazy? What the hell? And that she's not a reliable machine. Um and we'll we'll get to the, the the final moment in this episode but is there anything else that happened in this episode that i missed that i didn't touch on that i'm going to kick myself for not having paid closer attention to uh did you notice the gun that river had yes she she was able to produce a, a hole in the wall like jack yeah and that gun uh, looks really similar to the one Jack had. Huh. Mm. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and more you, to come, I hope, on that. Yeah. And then um, you mainly understood um, also Dr. Moon spoke with the little girl and explained that there were two worlds, dreams and reality, mm-hmm. except that her dreams are real and her reality was the illusion. Which that that confused me again, and I hope there's an answer to that in the next. There'll episode. be more to that, but just remember that as you're getting ready to watch the next one here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw how the Vashtra, um, the the Vashtra Narada, how they um, they basically took two shadows on Dave, and that's how they knew that they had proper Dave. Mm-hmm. And um, then they started chasing the Doctor and them with his skeleton, which was just. Creeptastic, but also just wonderful. And it's inside just such a the great suit. Villain. They're, they're yeah, inside yeah. the suit taking over. Uh, it's such a great cosplay when you see it done. Like it's just, uh, oh, it's yeah. Really cool. I could see yeah. that. I could see that. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I can't, I, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to look for that on, online. People just saying, who turned out the lights? You know, it's just, <laughs> oh, it's so cool. <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's jump into uh, my favorite part of every episode, uh, and I, I have a feeling that I will not be disappointed in this episode to hear what Ashley has to say on her Ashley's TARDIS tidbits. Let's hear it. This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for Series 4, Episode 8, Silence in the Library. When the doctor's trying to save Donna, he mentions that emergency program one will send her home if she's left alone in the TARDIS for five hours. In the series one finale, The Parting of the Ways, we see this program activated by the ninth doctor when he sends Rose Tyler home. This two-parter was actually filmed in a library, the old Swansea Central Library, as well as Brangwen Hall, a concert venue. Michael Gambon and Ian McKellen were originally offered the part of Dr. Moon, and Kate Winslet was the first one considered for River Song. At one point, River asked the doctor, Picnic in Asgard, have we done that yet? Actor Josh Dallas appears as one of the library's info nodes, and he appeared in the 2011 movie Thor playing Fandral, an Asgardian. At one point, when Dr. Moon is talking to the little girl, above her head and to the left are two paintings on the wall. One is a pretty blonde girl, and the other is a wolf. We know, of course, this is a reference to Rose Tyler and the bad wolf being one and the same. How did I miss that? You know, I didn't see that either. And I just watched this episode several times. So you know what that means? I'm going to have to watch it again. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to definitely watch it again because I completely yeah. missed that. Gosh, that, yeah. see, that's why I love the TARDIS tidbits. Thank you so much, Ashley. That is so amazing. Uh, just as always, providing more depth and more uh just more trivia to fill out the episode. It's that's fantastic. And and we need to go to the library and the theater now. Absolutely. To go it, act out our own little sense in the library. Road road trip for sure. Yeah. Road trip <laughs> right over the water. Uh, you know, as soon as we can, as soon as yes, we're able to. Yes. Uh, but there, there was a moment, uh, as we said, that, you know, the doctor runs to one of these nodes and asks, uh, you know, there is a person mm. by the name of Donna that she is here. And 
it turns out that this is what he hears. You can't just have two threats, you know. You don't need that too. Like, come on. And the doctor's like stroking her face and it's just like, oh my gosh. Uh, But of course, I know I'm not going to get any further answers from you because this is a two-parter. So I'm sure there's going to be hopefully more to find. My response would just be what? If you asked me what's going to happen next, what would I say to you? Spoiler, sweetie. I would say spoiler, sweetie. There you go. Absolutely. And now you know why. And now I understand completely why. And I'll make sure that that becomes a sound effect that is currently always loaded on the uh, on the console. Because from here on out, we're going to play it uh, just to reciprocate. But I, I can't wait until next week to get to the end of what ever this is, whatever is happening, uh, to find out why we're inside the head of this uh, poor girl and what happens to Donna, what happens, you know, who is Professor River Song. I'm just, I, I can't wait. So thank you so much, Ashley. Ashley. Thank you so much, Jenny. I mean, we for were joining me in the spirit. episode. It's good. It's good. I mean, Ashley provided some amazing tidbits, but thank Absolutely. you so much, Jenny, for being here. Uh, and, and of I, course, I, you're going to join me next week for the for the second part, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I have to say, if if your wife didn't watch this episode with you, watch it again with her because now you have to look for a bad wolf. Because you are going to want to watch the second part together. Um, I think she's going to really enjoy it, um, knowing the episodes that she's enjoyed so far. Um, I think both of you are really going to enjoy it, but I, I know which one she likes. <laughs> so I know that that the second part, she's going to she's going to like it, but then she's going to also be angry that I told her that she has to watch it. So, um, <laughs> well, we'll definitely catch up and uh, and watch the episode together. So. I, I'm so glad you got to here and I'm so glad it was with me and oh, it was so great. And just, oh, it's just so great. I love it. I love River. <laughs> well, I can't wait to get further into the episodes. And uh, like I said, uh, I can't wait for you, dear listener, to join us and uh, support the show. Uh, lots of ways that you can do so. First of all, you can visit firsttimelord.com. There you can leave comments on previous episodes. Uh, I always have the entire library there. So whether it's the first episode, whether it's silence in the library, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you brought to the episode, what it made you feel. Uh, If you want to provide uh, monetary support for the show, which would be greatly welcomed, we have a merch shop available to anybody. Uh, We have some awesome shirts and some phone covers and more things coming in the very not so distant future. Uh, But if merch is not your thing, but you still want to help out the show, we do have a Patreon page. You can find the link of which on firsttimelord.com. Or you can go to Patreon and search for Daniel Levain. 
and you can provide support that way. Or the most important way, the best way to support the show, which is find yourself that fellow Doctor Who fan that or that person that you think will like Doctor Who and that, like me, had avoided it for years and introduce them to the show, introduce them to the podcast, and let's grow this community together and let's catch everybody up the way I have been. But I am out of time this week. I better jump into my TARDIS before I phase out and find out what happened to Donna and who Professor River Phoenix or River Song is. See you next week, everybody. The real world is a lie. And your nightmares are real. The library is real. There are people trapped in there. People who need to be saved. The shadows are moving again. Those people are depending on you. Only you can save them. Only you.